0: Be talking about moving from the shallows into the deep. Now, how many of y'all saw the movie A Star Is Born? Any of y'all see that movie? Okay, so that obviously that's the you know that's the big highlight song uh, from that from that show, and so it's just a it's a great it's a great song I, I like it a lot. But today we're going to be talking about just taking a look at it scripturally about moving from the shallow into the deep. Now, before we get there, um, I'd just like to share a couple of things with you. Last Sunday at Park Street, the Village Church at Park Street, we had our very first service. So I don't know if any of y'all were able to or how many of you were able to see some of the pictures about what took place down there. It was a great day. So we're just going to show you a few pictures so you can see what it looked like there. Uh, isn't that amazing? So there's a, a few more. So that's, yeah, that's Jonathan, the band down there. Um, it was a phenomenal day, and so we rejoice that God did all of that, and so we're just praying that God's going to continue to work and bring bring people from that community to be, to be a part of that campus. We just really hope that God will just do a great work down there, so it was a great start last week, and then we also had uh, some men from our church who spent last week in Haiti. And uh, so this is uh, Brantley, Hannah, and Kevin Quinn, and they built a church down there. So we wanted you to see, uh, that was the beginning of their construction project. It blew me away. They finished it. I mean, just absolutely incredible. They did this in a a week's time, and uh, so they are back here safely. I saw Brantley in the first service. I think I saw Kevin walk in a while ago. I told him, I said, if I would have been there, there would have been a steeple on that building. But, you know. They could only do so much, but they did, a, they did a great job, and so they represented Village Church down there, and we're grateful for those guys and what they did. All right, so now back to uh, Ephesians 3, and uh, actually back to the movie A Star is Born. If you did not see the movie, I'll give you yeah, just sort of a, a quick synopsis. I won't blow the ending for you if you've not seen the movie, but it's a, it's a story about a, a guy said Bradley Cooper, is, uh, he was a country star, his character was... Very popular great singer, and uh, he goes into a bar, i guess just sort of to you know to relieve some stress and When he goes in, lady gaga's character is is performing, and as he watches her perform, he knows this is a lady who can be a superstar now, this is a lady who can if, she, if she's willing, she can move out of the bar scene and move onto a a world scene, but for her to do that. It was it was going to cause her to move from the shallows into the deep. Now, while he wanted that for her, if you watch the show, he needed the exact same thing in his life as well. Uh, he was a man who was who was full of anxiety, full of angst, and he found his answers in a bottle. And so he needed to move out of the shallowness of his life into the deep as well. And uh, the same thing is true. For people today, uh, people spiritually, so many times we choose to remain in the shallow instead of going into the deep, and and I'll try to explain. But first of all, you know why is it that people like the shallow so much? And I think one of the reasons why we like to be in the shallow water so much is because it is it is a, a place where you know where we can stand up; we don't have to worry about the water going over our heads. It's a place whenever we're in the shallow that we don't feel like we need to depend upon anybody. You know, we can just sort of depend upon ourselves and and everything is going to be okay. I can just sort of hang out here. But the problem with staying there is you never get in the deep. The problem with staying there is that, that you never get to explore and see even greater things. And that is what happens to many people spiritually is that that we want to rely upon ourselves never fully giving ourselves to the Lord, and we want to be safe, but we miss out on seeing the power and the incredible depth of God and the love that he has for us. And so today in our scripture that we're going to look at in Ephesians 3, uh, verse number 14, we're going to see that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. He was praying for them to, to be deeper in their walk with God, to move out of, out of a shallow life into the depths of knowing God. And that is a prayer that I think we ought to have for ourselves, that, that we ought to have for us as a, as a church, that we won't be, you know, just you know, content with just being hanging out here and being nice to each other on Sundays, but that we, would, that we would want to be deep in our walk with God all throughout the week, making a difference for Him as we live here, because there are so many people that need to know the God of Scripture, now, Ephesus, the, the church that was being written to, it was in, it's in modern-day Turkey. It's now just a, a city that's a ruin, but it was located uh, right on the coast. It was between two rivers. It was a great big port city, and so there's a lot of trade that took place in, in Ephesus. And so it gave, a, it gave a great opportunity for the Christians that were there to give a demonstration of who God is, you know, for them to care for each other, to love each other, uh, to, to share the good news of, of God and the hope that He has for us with other people. But if they were going to do that, it meant that they had to sort of leave their comfort zone and get out of the shallow water and be willing to go deep. And so the question is well, well how do we do that? And for today, in the 21st century, how can we live a life like that? And what Paul did is Paul prayed for the church and he offered up four different prayers or four different petitions for the church at Ephesus. I still think applies to us today. And so that the very first thing I see that Paul was praying for this church and that we ought to pray for ourselves is he prayed for them to have strength. So if you're going to move out of the shallow, it's going to take strength for you to be able to do that. And this is where I get this from verse number 14. It says, Paul said, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Now, the first thing I notice that Paul does is he begins to pray that the church in Ephesus will have strength. But whenever he made that request, you, you see who he went to in order to find strength. It says he got on his knees before the father. He was praying to God to offer strength to the church in Ephesus. Now, now, why was Paul praying to God for strength? Well, the reason why is because he knew that God could give it. Now, if you were looking for strength in your life, there's only, one, there's only really one place where you're going to find it, and it's going to be from God the Father. You know, if you're going to ask for something, you want to make sure that what you were asking for can actually be given to you by the one you were asking it of. let me try to put it like this. If if, if you were like me, there are times when you need to go to the ATM machine. And so you go to your bank, and you'll get your card, and you'll stick it in that little slot, and you'll tell them how much money you want. Now, if I needed $50,000, I I can tell you where where I'm not going to be looking to find that $50,000. It's not going to be in my account. And, And you know why? Because it is not there. Because Emily has spent it all. No, I'm kidding. It's just, it's just not there. Now, if I'm going to get $50,000, I need to be going into or withdrawing from an account that has that much money in it. Well, if you were looking for strength in your life, then you need to be asking someone who has the ability to give it to you. And so that's why Paul, when he was praying for strength, you notice that he went to God the Father asking for strength. And he did that because, y'all, God has strength in spades, He has all things in his hands. In Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, Paul wrote, but God who is rich, he is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us. And he makes us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in trespasses. He says, you're saved by grace. Together with Christ Jesus, he also raised us up and seated us in the heavens so that in the coming ages, he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us, in Christ Jesus. Now, why do these people need strength? Well, because the world they're living in. You know, they, they, they were living in a world that was tempting them. They were living in a world that was really trying to pull them away from the things of God, pull them into just simply living a life that would please themselves. In other words, they lived in a world like ours. You know, if, if we are going to be able to stand before God, one day after we die and stand before him spotless and blameless let me tell you you're not you're not going to do it on your own you you can't do it you need god to give you the strength to withstand the onslaught of this world you know i i know this about me and i won't speak for you but i know this about me it is not in my nature to be godly it it is not in my nature to be a man who will walk with God. If I'm going to do that, then I have to call out to God to give for Him to give me strength. You know, Paul even recognized this about himself. That's why Paul wrote in Romans 7 to 18, he said, I, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my flesh, for the desire to do what is good is with me. But he said, But there's no ability to do it. Now, now sometimes I like to think that I can. I can handle things on my own. I'm going to go with my instincts because you know, I think I've got good instincts. Have you all ever heard this before? You know, just go with your heart. And if you go with your heart, everything's going to work out. You all heard that? It, it, that is not true. Now, let me tell you about your heart. And I'm not talking about your physical heart, but your spiritual heart. It, it's not any good. Now, that's not me just being mean. That's what Jeremiah told us in the Bible. Jeremiah said, in in your nature, you desire your own way, not God's way. Jeremiah 17, 9, he wrote, the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? So, So we need strength, the strength of God outside of ourselves in order to move, you know, like into deeper waters. And Paul prayed for the people to be strengthened in their inner man. Now, most of us, we like to focus on being strengthened, you know, in our outer man, which is, you know, the physical stuff. You know, I've noticed this about my prayer. So much of my prayer life is centered around physical stuff, and you know, that's—I mean, it's not that it's bad to pray for those things, but man, so much of my—that's what a lot of my prayers are. God, help us to have good health. God, protect us. Don't let any bad things happen to us. It's all about physical stuff. You know, whenever, whenever um, I'm—you know—just daily life, it's about my the physical well-being. And so, I try to eat—you know—a fairly decent. Diet, you know, try not to eat, you know, too many, you know, ding-dongs and ho-hos, you know. So I'm trying, I want to be in kind of good shape. I try to exercise a little bit. Try to keep, you know, try to keep the, you know, my, my body as in, you know, at least fairly decent shape. And there's nothing wrong with that, but where my focus really should be is on the spiritual man. And then I'm praying that God is going to help me to grow in grace. That God will work in me to help me to know his word. So I won't fall into temptations, that I won't wither whenever trials come my way. You know, every Christian needs grace each day to enable him to face the trials that he's going to to face in life. And so that's why we pray to Jesus, for him to give us his strength. Um, I, I remember whenever, this was in 1990, Michael Jordan scored 69 points in a game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And uh, the reason why I remember this is because one of, my, one of my favorite players in college was a guy named Stacy King, and he played for the Chicago Bulls as well. In that game, he scored one point. Uh, so here's what he said after the game was over. He said, you know, I like to remember this game as the game where Michael Jordan and I combined for 70 points. I was like, that's great. And uh, now there's one of two ways that you could take this. You know, One, you could say, I think Stacy King's claiming a little too much credit for himself. Or you could say, which is what he was doing, he said, because I'm on Michael Jordan's team, I was able to be a part of him scoring you know, 70 points. I mean, he recognized where the strength came from. Well, the same thing is true with us. Whenever we receive God's strength, we say, you know what? This is what God's accomplished, and I got to be a part of it. This is what God did, and I was on his team. But if I'm not on his team, then I don't get to experience his strength. Jesus said in John fifteen 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And he said, but apart from me, you can do nothing. So that's why Paul, he said, this is what I'm praying for you. If you want to move out of the shallow into the deep, I'm praying for God's strength in your life. And here's the next thing that I see that he prayed for. He prayed for depth. He wanted the people to have depth in their walk with God. Verse 17, he said, and that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love. Now, there are uh, three words in these verses that I, I think are rather significant. And I want us to kind of focus on them. It's the words dwell, rooted, and firmly established. And so Paul was praying for followers of Christ that we would be deep in our walk with God in who we are. You know, that we, would, that we would rely on him and trust in him, and that we would see him dwelling in our lives. Now, I'm sure you've heard of that before, you know, that Jesus lives in me. If you grew up in the church, that's something that you hear. You know, I accepted Jesus into my life. He lives inside of me. Paul says, my prayer for you is that God would dwell in you. That word dwell means to be at home. And so I, I thought about that. What, does that. what does that mean, to be at home? You know, I, I like to I like to travel. I like to go to places. I think it's fun to to stay in certain places. But I will tell you, my favorite place to be in the entire world. You know where it is? It's home. You know, I I, I like I like I like my own bed. Do y'all ever go on a trip somewhere? And after a while, you're like, I cannot wait to get in my own bed. You know, is that how y'all are? I cannot wait to get home and sleep with my pillow. I've gotten the best night's sleep ever since I've been using that thing. I'm kidding. So I, I just, I just, but I love, I love being home. And another thing I like at home is that I, I like wearing what I want to. You know, when I'm at home, you know, and Jane will make fun of me, I have these striped pajama pants, and then I'll wear a plaid shirt with them, because I've had the plaid shirt for like 30 years, and it's just really comfortable, it doesn't look good, but I'm home, and I can do whatever I want. But my favorite part about home is that the people I love the most are home. And so when Paul says, I pray that Christ will dwell in your lives, that he will be at home in, in your lives, that that's what he's speaking of, that Christ will be comfortable in your life. So how do we make Christ comfortable, so to speak? Well, we have faith in him. We entrust ourselves to him. John fourteen twenty three it says, Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he said, he'll keep my word. And my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And so when, when Jesus dwells in your life, when he's at home in your life, Paul says, then you will be rooted and established in Christ. Now, that word rooted, of course, you know, that's, that's an agricultural term. The word established is an architectural term. And you think about what, is a, what does a root do? Well, a root is what nourishes the plant. So when you are rooted in Christ, he nourishes your life. It also gives you stability. You know, deep roots help you to stand. They talk about you being established. i so speaking of like a foundation where you are firm. And so the idea here is whenever you are rooted and established in Christ, that when life comes at you, and by the way, life is not always fun. And life does not always work out the way that you want to. But whenever those trials come your way, if you were rooted and established in Jesus, you will stand firm. You won't be blown around by just like the junk of this life. And so that's what Paul was praying for people. You might say, well, why why do I need to be rooted in in Jesus? Because, y'all, without him, we're in trouble. You know, Romans 3.23, and we quote this often, it tells us that sin messes us up. It says, for all have sinned, and all of us fall short of God's glory. And then there's a price to pay for it. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. So so why do we want to be rooted in Jesus? Because Jesus, whenever sin is thrown at us, he can give us victory over it when we trust him. That's why the end of Romans 6.23 tells us, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, when we know that God does this for us and we apply that to our lives, we'll be able to stand firm in our walk with God. Now, Paul desired for believers to know this so they wouldn 't be crushed by trials in life you know when when trials come and you 're trusting in God, you, you have strength uh, now if you if you just live a completely comfortable life where you never face any trials and you just try to get through life without anything happening to you, you know, there, there is an there 's an actual term for this that, that biologists have called it i think it 's like the adversity principle, and the adversity principle. Is this if you don't face if everything is comfortable in the plant world if they if you don't ever have to work for anything it can actually be detrimental to you that's true for people if you you think of your most comfortable state that you can possibly be in Uh, for me it's like sitting on the couch have the television on watching sports and eating a bag of nacho Doritos and then if I ever need anything then Emily can come in and my favorite drink right now is diet ginger ale. And I just sit there, hey, Emily, I'd like something else to drink. She comes in and gives it to me. Now, if I live that way my entire life, I'm really comfortable. Air conditioner set set on, uh, you know, like 68 degrees, it's great. Okay, but is that good for my body? You know what ends up happening? You become unhealthy, which is weird, isn't it? I mean, I'm totally comfortable. Everything's provided for me. But if I ever have any kind of challenge or adversity come my way, you know what's going to happen to me physically? I'm just going to crumble. I'm not going to be able to withstand. Now, the idea here is as we dig deeper into God's word and know his word and we trust in what it says, then we're going to be better able to face adversity when it comes our way. First Peter 1, 6 and 7 says, Rejoice in this. Though now for a short time you had to struggle in various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, will result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a lot of people who crumble at adversity because they are not deep in their walk with God. And because of that, they're not firm. So that's why Paul prayed. He says, you want to move from the shallow into the deeper walk with God? He prayed for them to have strength. He prayed for them to have depth. And then thirdly, he prayed for them to have comprehension. Uh, Verses 18 and 19, he says, May you be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He said he wanted them to comprehend something. Now, that, that word comprehend, and I, I took Latin in high school. It did me no good. Uh, but the Latin word, and I, I don't know if I'm saying it right, is prehender. And that it means to grasp. Now, uh, you've, have you all heard of like a, a, a monkey has a prehensile tail? That means he has a tail that is able to grasp something. Now, to comprehend means that mentally you were able to grasp something. So Paul said, I'm praying for you to mentally to be able to grasp something. What, what is it? He said, I want you to be able to grasp, understand God loves you. I want you to know the love of God. Now, for some people, that's surprising. I think some of us are surprised to know God loves us. They think, God, how would he even know who I am? You know how many people live in this world? Over 7 billion people. Why would God know who I am? Right? I mean, that's just sort of a, that's an easy thought to have. Another thought people have is, well, why would God love me? I mean, because I know me, and I'm really not worth loving. There's a lot of junk that I've got in my life. But whenever you read God's word, which is why Paul says you want to know it, he says you discover this all throughout Scripture. God is telling us over and over again, he loves you. That's why Paul told us in the verses that we just read. He said, I want you to understand and know the length, the width, the height, and the depth of God's love. It means God's love for you is vast. He loves you in every way possible. Now, some of us, we've grown up in the church. We, maybe we had a, a grandmother who told us God loves us. And we go, Yeah, I know God loves me. You know, because she told me. And so I, I, I okay, you know God, we know God loves us. But let me tell you. We really don't know how much God loves us. And the best way I can describe it is like this. For those of you who are parents, let me ask you all a question. Do your children know that you love them? Do you think your children know you love them? Yeah, I I would say, I I would think that just in general, yeah, I think, you know, they know that I love them. How do they know that? Well, you know, we feed them, right? They get clothes. Every Christmas we get them gifts. Um. You know they, you know, and sometimes with my daughter, that is, you know, you love me this much, but you could have loved me like this for Christmas. Uh, so you know, there's that kind of love. Uh, you know, I know that you love me because you tell me. Okay, so we say, yeah, our kids know, but let me tell you something. I think every parent in here would say, but our kids, those little suckers, really don't know how much we love them. Parents, would y'all agree with that? They have no idea right now how many nights you've been in angst thinking about your child, thinking about their future. They have no idea how you would give everything that you've got for your children, for them to live a life that is blessed. Now the way you love your children and the kind of knowledge that your children have about the love that you have for you, that's what Paul's saying. Listen, you don't know how much God loves you, but when you know it, Change you. It'll make you want. It'll make you want to love them more. Now, there's a, an example I thought of was I remember reading a story. World War II. There were some Scottish soldiers that had been taken as POWs, and they were by the Japanese, and they were working on a railroad in the jungle. And the conditions were, I mean, they were horrible. They were totally mistreated. It was just a terrible environment. But it was so bad that it got into a place where the soldiers had been broken down so much that they they were they hated each other. And they were fighting with each other. Um, it was just complete chaos. And one day as they were working, they could not, one of the officers noticed that they, they didn't have a shovel. And so he asked them to do a count of the tools. They couldn't find the shovel. And so the officer got them all together and said, Who stole it? And so the men are just standing there. Nobody says anything. And, and finally, the officer tells me, So, listen, if, if somebody doesn't step up and, and say that they stole it, he's almost shoot every one of you. And they, they knew he was being serious. And so just after, after just a short period of time, one of the soldiers stepped forward and said, I took it. And the officer proceeded to beat him to death. When the soldiers, of course, they were totally mortified. When they went back, they started counting the tools, and they were all there. They had just simply miscounted. And it was then that they recognized that that one soldier willingly gave his life in order to protect the rest of them. And one of the men who was there, he said, it, it totally changed us. He said, when we saw what that man was willing to do. He said, all of a sudden, we began to treat each other with kindness. He said, we began to work together. We began to treat each other as brothers. Now, when we take time to consider God's love for us, to take time to consider the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us, to recognize that, y'all, he left heaven. I mean, he left heaven to be with us. We begin to understand that it'll make you different. It'll make you want to love. It'll make you want to love God more. Jesus told us how we'll love Him. He told us in John fourteen fifteen, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So when Paul was praying for people to move from from the, the shallows into to the deep with God, he said, "If you're going to do that, he said, that you pray for strength. You pray for depth. You pray for comprehension, the comprehension of God's love." And he said then he's going to pray for them to have fullness. And that's the very last thing that verse number 19 tells us. It says, I want you to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, Paul prayed for them to be filled with the fullness of God. And that word fullness, yeah, I like the definition of it. It means to fill to the full. I mean, that's full. So if you are filled to the full. It means there is no room for anything else. You are filled with God. If you are filled with God, you think that's going to make you different? Let me tell you something. It doesn't take long for me to realize, you know, I'm not quite filled up yet. Because there's a lot of stuff of me that leaks out. So Paul said, "I, I want you to be filled with the fullness of God so that what is coming out of you is seen by other people so that they'll find the hope of Jesus. You know, without Jesus, y'all, we don't have anything. But with him, we have everything. You know, Job wrote in Job 26, 2 and 3, he said, how you have helped the powerless and you have delivered the arm of the weak. You have counseled the unwise and thoroughly explained the path to success. Y'all, I know this about, I know this about me and I know I, this is my desire for you too. I want us to venture out of the shallows into the deep. I want to experience the life of Christ. If that's going to happen, said, there's some things you need to pray for. Pray for strength, for depth, for comprehension and for fullness. If you're going to do that, it's going to take faith because it's real easy to stay in the shallow. It's comfortable. And it's not scary. I know what's going on right here. But if I stay here, I miss God. I don't want to miss God. I want to know him. I want to see his power. I want to see God move. So that when I see it, I say, I didn't do that. God did it. Wouldn't that be awesome? God did it. Now how I'd like for us to close the service, I'd just like for us to bow our heads and to, to close our eyes. There might be some of you and you say, you know what, I am I am so ready to move into the deep. And if you're going to move into the deep, the first step is, is just simply surrendering yourself to Jesus. There's nothing magic about it. It's just its just between you and the Lord. And you just, where you're seated, you can just talk to him silently, pray to him, and just simply say, Jesus, today, I, I, I believe that you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. Forgive me of my sin. And I turn from them to follow you. And Jesus, I ask you to save me. You know, the Bible tells us that if we do that, it's... It, he says that he will do just that. He will rescue you. And so if you prayed that prayer or just something like it, we, we want to know. We want to help you grow in your walk with God so you can take your bulletin out and you can open it up and fill out that contact form. Just check that line. I commit my life to Jesus. Put your name on it. Tear it out as you leave. There's a couple of boxes at the back. Slip that paper in there. We can get you some information in the mail in growing in a walk with Christ. The greatest decision you'll ever make. For others of you, getting out of the shallows means you stepping out in faith. For some of you, it means, for some of you, it means serving. It's real comfortable to be a spectator, but God, God doesn't want spectators. He wants disciples and servants. You know, maybe maybe it could be the Lord's calling some of you. He might say, you know what, I want you to be a part of the worship team here. You can do that. If you fill out the... There's. You, Use your bulletin. Fill out a form. I'm interested in the worship team. Others of you, it'll involve you saying, I'm going to get off the sidelines. And I really believe God is calling me and moving me to be a part of a V group where I can gather with other people to talk about the things of God and what God's word says and how it applies to my life. And if you look in your bulletin, there's a place for you to be able to sign up and get information about, about small groups. Maybe it involves you. Reestablish, reestablishing a relationship with someone that's been broken, and you need to step out to the deep, seek reconciliation, trust God. Heavenly Father, I am I am thankful, Lord, that you desire for us not just to live ordinary, regular lives where we are in charge of everything but God you call us to live by faith and Lord as we live by faith and trust in you Lord we go into the deep and we see things we never could have imagined we see you move in ways that we did not know were possible so Lord I pray that we will be a group of a, a body of believers a church Lord that will see you move that will move in our lives individually and in the church collectively Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand with me as we sing our final song?